You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Um, but I got to know Lynn. I called up Tim. I've had, Tim's been here with, a couple, with us a couple times, Tim Enlow. I said, Tim, I'm looking for someone who is a, a just a, incredible Bible teacher who can, can kind of combine with, with you. And he says, Mark, he said, I, I'll tell you, I, I, someone I have the highest regard for. You know, Tim does a lot of camps. He says, I was at a camp in Montana, and the Bible teaching time in the morning with Lynn, Pastor Lynn, was as full as the evening services. Now, if you can get someone up at 9 o'clock at a Bible camp for the Bible services, uh, and, and that, you know, after someone waits till 12 o'clock to go to bed at night, you know it's good. Um, and I sat here first service and I thought, man, Lynn's going to be back here. Lynn's going to be a part of the True North family. He's going to be one of our uh, uh, speakers that comes back again. What a dynamic communicator, uh, bridges the Old Testament, New Testament. So I want you to do something. I need you to help me. Um, welcome now. Now, Lynn will introduce his wife. Lynn uh, spent 15 years on an Indian reservation um, in Montana, started the church, started, started out in ministry there with six people, left a vibrant church of over 100 in a community of 850 people. Um, Lynn's our people. We understand there's difficult places to minister, um, and that shows commitment and trust and, and the stick to and and uh, so I'm going to ask you, would you give my new friend Lynn, our new friend, a big uh, welcome here at True North Church as he comes to preach. Give him a good Fairbanks welcome. Pastor, thanks for being here. Welcome. Glad to have you. Well, good morning, church. You ready to get into the Word this morning? Uh, I'm always worried about those type of intros. <laughs> I'm like, the longer the intro, intro, the worse the speaker. I think that was how it goes. Um, and that was just a touch too long. Hey, I just like to always introduce my uh, family uh, because that's what ministry is all about is family. My beautiful wife, we are celebrating 35 years this summer. We've been hanging out for about 36, and out of that came two beautiful children, two beautiful daughters, and they got married to incredible men and are thankful for them. Uh, I think early on I was speaking to my wife's belly, girls marry great guys, you know, and uh, they did. And so, and we just found out recently that my oldest daughter is pregnant and uh, we're going to have our first grandchild. And so we are excited about that as well. And so just uh, always thankful for their support and uh, family just makes it fun. Isn't it fun? Family's just fun. Um, but I want to get into the word today. We'll share more about our ministry during uh, times together. But uh, Matthew chapter 17 this morning, if you would go there uh, to Matthew chapter 17, we're going to talk about probably what I would say would be one of the wildest miracles in the New Testament. Uh, one of the strangest ones, I would say. And uh, I want to just see if this miracle has anything that happened 2,000 years ago in a land far, far away, not a galaxy, but a land far, far away uh, that could speak to us right here, right now in this moment. 
So in Matthew chapter 17, uh, uh, today I just want to talk about the hidden miracle. And if you would stand for the reading of God's word today, I always like to stand because these are the words of the king, and I like to honor him in standing as we hear them. But you know what we're going to do today? Because the Bible was meant to be read out loud in a public setting like this, we're all going to read this together from the screen. Would that be all right this morning? We're just going to declare this word, believe God's going to open our ears and our heart this morning. So it starts in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. Will you read with me aloud? After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children? or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to notice something. This is pretty specific, isn't it? Go cast a line, the first fish, open its mouth, and then pay. I think that's interesting. Hold on to that in your mind as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for, Lord, its truth and who you are. God, teach us today. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. Do mighty things as your truth is preached, God. We believe the truth is life, that the word of God is living. And so God, do mighty miracles this morning in the hearing of your word. And God, I just wanna speak it as you give it. And Lord, I just wanna be a part of what you're doing today. And so just have your way. And God, may you receive all the glory this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted. Amen. You may be seated and look at your neighbor, whether it's far or near, and just yell at them a little bit. That is the word of the Lord. What a miracle. What a wild miracle, isn't it? Jesus finds that they need to pay something, this tax, and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden Jesus says, you know, you're going to get this tax out of a fish. Now, Jesus, how many of you in this room this morning believe he is a miracle worker? Now, how many of you know he didn't need a fish nor that fish to pick up a coin, but he determined to do it that way. I mean, he could have, I don't, I hate to say this like he's a cheap magician, but he could have pulled it from behind his ear, right? Under the rock, pulled it out of his pocket. But because Jesus gives such a way to do it, we have to take some time and begin to look of why would he ask Peter to do it this way when it could have simply been another way. And if so, what was he saying to Peter? And maybe more importantly, even today, what was he hiding in this passage to help us in our day and in this time and these moments we live in right now? Today, I don't want to talk about taxes or government. Okay, good. I don't want to talk about money. That's not what this is about. And this is not about the offense. There's something deeper here. I want to go deeper with this particular passage. If you're taking notes, or should I say as you take notes this morning, I'm not going to go there, but I want you to go back on your homework and read Exodus chapter 30, 
in verses 13 through 16, to just back up what I'm saying, I want to give you an indication where the tax came from. Why is this tax being taken? Where does it come from? In Exodus, you'll find it that there was a tax that was over the whole country, that one time a year that you had to pay a tax if you were, actually the scriptures tell us very clearly, 20 plus. So that gives us some indication that Peter and Jesus were the only ones over 20. Isn't that crazy? The rest of those disciples were under 20, and they turned the world upside down. That's pretty cool. So, so if you're over 20, you had to pay this tax, and that tax was going to take care of the temple, especially in Nehemiah's time. They begin to pour that tax in taking care of the temple, and it says that, you know, that it would be the redemption for each of you. Uh, as you would take that. And so this is where that tax is. And so they come to Capernaum that day and they approach Peter and they say, we know your teacher does things a little differently. And we were just wondering, are you guys going to pay the tax or, or what? And Peter so confidently, as he always does, just shouts out, yes. You know, I get myself in trouble all the time. That's probably what he's thinking, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I should have just said that, but I haven't really thought through that. So here's, the, you know, we have to fill in the spaces a little bit. He walks into the room and Jesus already knew. Oh, this is Peter. Of course, he just jumped out there. Peter, do you think I should? Now, wait a second. Just days before, you said I was the Christ, the son of the living God. And if that's the case, that house is part of my family. And why would I have to pay that, Peter? You just said I was the son of God. Who, who is meant to pay this? And he said, you know, you kind of got that wrong, Peter. I'm just reassuring you what you said about me. Do you really believe that? But since we don't want to offend anyone, I love that part. We could spend a whole part of the service on that, right? That he had the right to not pay it. But Jesus determines I don't want to offend anyone. Pause, dramatic pause and the, and the stare, Right? But he says, go cast a line into the lake, and, and, and there you're going to find the first fish. I love what Jesus says, the first one. Like I said in the previous service, some of you are still waiting for your first fish, but you keep being faithful, throwing it out there. You know, you want to catch that fish. And so Peter goes to the shore. If you've been to Capernaum, it's right on the shore. He goes to that shore and he casts a line, which is odd for a commercial fisherman. He essentially is a commercial fisherman. They don't use line. Why don't they use line? They want a bunch. And how many of you know, if Jesus would have sent you to the shore, it's like, I'm going to throw out a big net just to guarantee the miracle, right? But that's not what Jesus says. I want you to cast out a line, and the first one will have the coin. So now think about this just in an everyday. I'm going down amongst my friends and family, people I know, and I'm going to go to the shore. Well, Peter, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> just going to the shore. And then you start fishing, and people start gathering around. Hey, Peter, what's going on? And then, you know, you're going to catch the first fish. Here's where it gets a little quirky. Fish comes to shore. What am I told to do next? Look in its mouth. Peter, what are you doing? Right? I mean, come on. Let's just roll it back for a second and just think how awkward that would be. Well, I was told by Jesus to look in the mouth and find a coin. How many of you know, sometimes Jesus puts us in wild circumstances. And, and all of a sudden, we're having to look into this fish, and there it is, the coin. He pays the taxes, and the miracle happens just as Jesus had said. But maybe Peter didn't catch it, but since we're a few thousand, 2,000 years later, there are some clues in this story that I want to take and look to and just say, is there something that Jesus is saying that is connecting him to deeper stories that were foretold? 
Are there Old Testament stories that this fish relates to? That he's given us a clue that if we'll listen, we'll hear what the Spirit is saying? Maybe Peter didn't get it in the moment. How many of you know, sometimes in the moment, you don't catch all that God's doing. But when you look back, and we have that opportunity today to look back and catch some clues to really encourage us even more than it encouraged Peter. And so there's some clues. So could we look at those for a moment? First and foremost, if he, like I said, could have done it any other way, but it was a fish, what is that fish saying? Back in the ancients, at the time of, uh, of Jesus, especially in the first century, fish represented like this concealed reality, this hidden reality, meaning there was this sense of uh, wonder about it. Why? I can see the lake, but fish represented that there was something going on that I couldn't see. Fish, there was fish there. I know they're there, but I can't always see it. So there was this sense that fish represented this hiddenness, this concealed reality, that they were moving, but I don't know. I just have to believe that they're there. And it's interesting then that this fish picks up a coin in this concealed area, in this hidden part, and is right there at the moment, right when Peter needs it. It's almost as if, though, God is saying a little something to us about him working when we can't see it. But let's not stop there, because there's a few other things that particularly happen in this, in this story that kind of connects us. Well, what about the tax? The tax was taken, and sources tell us that this tax was taken during the month of Adar. Everyone say Adar. I like to break that up a little bit, because some of you are like, I have no idea what Adar is. It's just a month, like June, July, August. In Hebrew, it's just called Adar. Now, what's cool about the month of Adar, it's the last month of the year, by the way, but what's cool about the month of Adar is that its symbol that represented that month was also a fish. Well, wait a second now. There's multiple things being said. There's this fish, and now it represents the month of Adar, and this tax, actually we're told by the writings in history, was also taken during the month of Adar. So now the tax collectors are coming in the month of Adar. This fish is there, this hidden reality, which represents the month of Adar. And now I have to ask, what happens that's so monumental in the month of Adar? Well, there's a great festival in the month of Adar called Purim. Anybody know what Purim is? How many of you do not know what Purim is? Just raise up your hands. Perfect. Well, let me tell you what Purim is. Purim is a celebration of what happened in the book of Esther. How many of you remember that story? Remember, there was an edict out against the Jewish people. There was this scheme sent uh, out, and, and the king declared that all the one particular people, would be the Jewish people, would be killed in the land. Somehow, these people deceived the king into, into making this decree against all Jewish people. But what's crazy about this, this is that part, you guys all love to quote this, for such a time as this, right? Right, so, so there's Esther. For some reason or another, Esther got there just at the right time, at the right moment, and her uncle Mordecai, which was also Jewish, was in the courts of this, this king. Nobody knew their lineage. Nobody knew that they were Jewish. And you know what happened? Just when the time was right, see, the edict was going to happen. God already knew it, and God, in the way he works, moved Esther from one place to another to get ready for an edict he knew was going to happen. And Esther said, hey, 
would you tell everybody fast? And on the third day, I'm going to come in front of this king and plead on the behalf of all the people. And you know what happened? In that moment, the decree was sent, the death sentence was broken, and the Jewish people were saved. Because God knew already what was going on, and he sent the answer before the death had ever been sent out. Now that sounds like something that is starting to be a theme, right? Jesus has this fish working when we didn't know it. He was getting the coin even before Peter said, yeah, we need a coin. Do you see what I'm saying? It seems to tell us a little bit about the hiddenness of God. You know what's great about the story of Esther? If you didn't even know this, the whole book of Esther, unlike any other book in the Bible, does not say the name of God once. God is never, his name is never represented in all the pages. And again, I think that that's a repetition to say, I am working in the minutes of your life, hidden. And you may not see me, but I've got a plan. And it doesn't matter what the enemy has a plan against you. I've already got the answer before he makes that plan. <laughs> yes! Isn't that exciting? But the story doesn't end there because now, because I know this and the hiddenness of God and this hidden miracle and God moving when I can't see it, there's other representations that this is kind of what God does. All of a sudden, when there was going to be famine in the land and, 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 and people were going to die because of this famine, there was a man by the name of Joseph that was taken to a land and put in the midst of that land and in the midst of that leadership and worked through the system through the hand of God. And in the right moment, when everything was right, he came out of that prison, became second to Pharaoh, and then saved not only that land, the Gentile nation, but saved his Jewish brothers by serving him bread. That's something to shout about. Because God already knew the famine was going to happen. And God knew that they needed a special land. And through it all, he was moving the pieces to get Joseph right where he needed to be when that would happen. That just seems to be what God does. Oh, wait a second. The story's not over. Could I continue for a few moments longer? There's another story. I remember then after that time that they went into he deep and heavy bondage and slavery under taskmasters. And you know what? The time was enough. Those people were abusing them, taking advantage of them, had made them slaves. And you know, in the midst of that, when they were crying, out to God and things were going wrong. There was a man born by the name of Moses in the midst and all of a sudden he was hidden in a little boat and that boat went down the river and all of a sudden it just happened to get at the right place at the right time and went into Pharaoh's house without knowing anything was going to happen. And it's in that midst that God would raise him up and sooner or later send him back to set the people free. Jesus worked the same way hidden among his brothers, hidden and taken to Egypt, would ultimately come back and work in and out of the systems of the world at that time, not always declaring who he was, not always declaring he was the one, but hidden for a time, and then came and gave life to all people. And now is hidden for a time again. But how many of you know we can celebrate this morning, in this moment, and in this time, that he will return to take all people unto himself? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that God knows how to put things in the right place for the right time. 
Nothing surprises him. He already knows because he stands outside of time, knows exactly what's going on, whether it's an edict of death, a bill, a diagnosis, hurts and pains, abuses, whatever it is, court cases, like Pastor said this morning. He knows before you ever get there, and he's already working, and you may not see it, but he's got the answer. You know what that does for me, ladies and gentlemen, as I come down the stage? is simply this. I can stand there in that moment then, and whatever I'm going to face today and my tomorrows, I know because of what the scripture says that I can stand and I don't have to fear. I don't have to move. I don't have to be hasty. I don't have to do it on my own. That God is on my side, already working. And if he does these hidden things, that's just who he is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's already working out your miracle. He's already got a plan before you knew you needed one. And that just happens to be the God that we serve, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm so thankful that he never changes. He never changes. He already knew. And today I don't have to fear the future because he's moving on my behalf. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not always the way we like, is it? We'd like to see it all. We'd like to see every piece put together. We'd like to see into, the, into that water and see the fish doing that, and then we'll just know, there it was. But ladies and gentlemen, that would be all about us and not about him. And I think sometimes we declare that he's a miracle worker, and we just want him to do that at every second, at every time. But I think he does certain miracles at certain times for certain seasons at the right time, not to declare he's a miracle worker. He just wants to declare that he knows where you're at and what you're doing, and he is working. This miracle happens to tell us not that it's just he's a miracle worker, but rather he's a hidden miracle worker. He's at work in those minutes. We sing about it all the time. But ladies and gentlemen, I could go to the Word and see this is his nature. And ladies and gentlemen, the devil then can't lie to me. Oh, God doesn't care. He's not at work. No, no, no. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible shows me time and time and time again that he's a God that may be hidden. I may not see it, but he is moving. And I can celebrate today that he is moving. I remember not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, actually, I was sitting in a chair at my house and I had my little blankie on. None of you judge me because you don't know me well enough. At least I didn't have my onesie on. You didn't need to see that this morning. Some of you have onesies, and you're like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I was sitting there with my blanket and uh, having a cup of coffee and just sharing my heart with the Lord. I was struggling. There's been a lot of changes in our ministry and some disruptions along the way, and it really concerned me because I didn't see, like, God pitching in, you know? How many of you know you wanted in that moment at that time, like, God, you know, are you even there? Do you even care? And I remember just sitting there, pouring my heart out, going, God, I don't know how to pivot, and I don't know how to change this. I, I just don't know. And have you forgotten? And I looked down on my blanket, and probably there before, just never seen it. And I think there's only one on the entire blanket. I looked down, and there happened to be a fish right there, just stitched into this blanket. It's an odd thing, because nothing on that blanket has anything to do about fishing or fish or anything. And it just reminded me, this truth settled into my heart again as I was reminded of this miracle. And God didn't speak that day. He just made me attentive to that moment. And, you know, my reality didn't change. I didn't have this big miracle that happened. My reality didn't change in that moment. But the reality of my heart and what I believed about God changed. 
And all of a sudden, my reality intersected with the hidden reality. And maybe it didn't change my reality, but my heart changed. And I was able to stand there and go, God, I'm just going to celebrate with this cup of coffee and my blankie that you are still the one and you are still moving. And I don't see it, but you will take care of this. Amen. And I want to tell you, that we can put those things together today to celebrate his goodness and his faithfulness and his truth today. I want to break it down one more moment because I don't know if you understood what the temple tax was all about, but let me read this out of Exodus chapter 30 and kind of tie everything together with even the book of Exodus. It says this about this temple tax. Listen to this. Exodus 30 verse 12, it says, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among you. He was actually saying, you know what, when, you know, when you're numbered, when you pay that tax, it's like you're paying a redemption for your soul, that nothing would come and harm you. Listen to what just happened. There's a deeper level there. It's not just about the hidden reality of God's faithfulness and his goodness, but he's actually saying something to Peter and maybe to us, that Jesus in his working and his hiddenness at the time was bringing redemption and payment for our soul. Why the coin? Why the tax time? Why did Jesus highlight that? Because he was actually connecting himself to the story that was looking forward to one day where someone was going to stand in your place for me and you. When we didn't know we needed redemption, he paid a price for our redemption that the plague would not be upon us. And even today, if you've never fully committed to Christ, he's already done the work. You don't even know how your steps were ordered here this morning, but he's working that you might hear a message and trust in him solely today and nothing else. Because Jesus likely was saying that. Peter, I know you don't get everything that's going on and you don't agree, but I just want you to know I'm working and I'm bringing redemption. I'm paying a price for your redemption right now, to restore your relationship with God, to take away sin and guilt and shame. I'm paying a price that was looked to a long time ago, and this happened to be a price. You needed my life. I'll become sin that knew no sin. And when it was time, when the perfect time had come, he sent his son, born of a woman, to what? pay a price for you and I. Maybe you can't see it this long after it, but that's what he's doing. That's what he's done. And we can celebrate that today, that my relationship is made right. He's paid a price for me. And I can stand with God in righteousness because of what he's done this morning. And today, I want you to know that the fish and the coin are on the move in your life. Maybe your reality won't change today, but maybe you'll take the word of, the tr of truth today and say, you know what? I'm not going to work hastily to try to change my situation. I'm not going to try to do something that's outside of what you want of me, God. But I'm just going to stand. I'm going to leave these doors today knowing you are moving, though I can't see you. I will not allow my actions and my fear to dictate to me any longer. No matter what's been said by the doctors or my family, friends, the situation, the circumstances in which I'm being told today, I will not be moved because God is working a hidden miracle for me. And today you've been here. You've set your foot in here to hear that truth that you could walk out of here and say, you know what? It's time that I believe God for his hiddenness and know that that's what he's doing. You know, the other part of the story is simply this. We sometimes have to get involved. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we have to go fish. 
that's really uncomfortable. Sometimes we have to take steps of faith that's gonna look a little ridiculous to your neighbors, to your friends, your family. But ladies and gentlemen, we believe God is a miracle worker, but for some reason in that hiddenness, he gets us involved. I'll say it again, he gets us involved. And today, maybe some of the answers, some of the things that he said, you know, he's asking you to get involved. What is he saying to you? What is the line you have to cast? What is the place he's asking you to go? Is there a change in job? The way you care for your finances, the way you're uh, dealing with your friends, your family, maybe just the way you're viewing him. Maybe there are things that he's asking you to do today to partake in the work that he's already started. This morning as we close, I want you to take some time to just say, Lord, what's my line? That's a funny show, by the way. No, just sorry. Just throw that out there. What is my place? Where do I need to go? I believe you're a miracle worker, but I know you still get me involved. Most of us want the fish to jump out of the water, spit out the coin, have that land in your pocket, right? Come on. But sometimes the miracles take our involvement because we are taking steps that say he is working. I don't get to see it all. I don't have all the roadmap, but I've got a lamp that showed me this far. And I'm going to take steps to do that. So what is that for you this morning? Will you stand? And maybe the only thing you can do today, the only thing you're able to do, maybe your line today is, I'm not going to go in fear. I'm not going to make hasty choices. Maybe today, you're just going to declare to your situation, I will not, I will not, and I will not be moved. Reports, the enemy, maybe friends and family, the things that are coming against you, you're just going to stand and say, you know what? I have a promise of a God that works miracles, and sometimes I don't get to see them. And I'm not going to move right now. I'm going to stand in faith and not be moved in fear. Maybe that's your response today. But whatever it is, will you just say, Lord... I just need to be reminded of that. Maybe today you're wondering if God cares. You wonder if he's really doing it. But I want to remind you again, the coin and the fish are moving. Just for you. So Father, this morning, thank you for your abundant grace, your mercy, your kindness, and your love. Thank you, God, that you work in hidden ways. We want to see everything. We want to see it all work out, but Lord, we realize that you are moving. And God, it wasn't just one story. It was a lot of stories. And so Lord, just as Peter needed something that day, we recognize today we stand in that same spot and we call on you once again. God, do the miracle in our lives. Show us how to get involved. Help us to stand in faith, not be driven by fear and declare that you are working. Let it be so in our lives today, Father. Father, if some are here that's never trusted you for redemption, to truly come to know you as Lord and Savior, let their hearts be fully drawn today to you and to see you're worth following. You've got our life in your hands and you're working in amazing ways. And we just declare that today. Thank you for working in amazing ways, Lord. 
Lord, we don't want to just wait for the miracle to bless you. Lord, we stand in this place, in this house today and bless you for the hidden things you're doing today. Bless you for the hidden reality of the way you're moving. And God, we're gonna go out of this room today living a life in the world around us that shows we believe in a God that is working when we can't see him. Will you take a moment, if you're comfortable, you just raise your hands up before the Lord and just, just to take a few moments this morning just to begin to bless him, not for the miracles you've received, not for the miracles that you hope are coming, but just the fact that he's working right now, that he's moving pieces. He's changing things right now in your reality and you just can't see. Will you just begin to lift up your voice? Come on, in this room, in these next few moments, just begin to bless him for who he is. He's a God that does miracles. He's a God that is moving because he's a God that loves us. Will you just take some time, bless him this morning. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.